Wisdom. The final frontier to true knowledge. Welcome to Wisdom Trek, where our mission is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. Hello, my friend. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, your captain on our journey to increase wisdom and create a living legacy. Thank you for joining us today as we explore wisdom on our second millennium of podcast. This is day 1,156 of our trek, and it is Worldview Wednesday. Creating a biblical worldview is important in order to have a proper perspective of today's current events. To establish a biblical worldview, it is required that we also have a proper understanding of God and His Word. On our Worldview Wednesday episodes, we are in a series that are covering another detailed book review from one of today's most prominent Hebrew scholars, Dr. Michael S. Heiser. We are taking a deep dive and will share Dr. Heiser's insight to the question, which is also the title of his book, What Does God Want? And today we want to look at Supernatural Infiltration. Remember, in last week's lesson, what happened in Acts chapter 2 about the coming of the Spirit. The arrival of God's Spirit was a crucial element of a new covenant, a new set of promises God was giving to humanity. This is referred to as the New Testament. Many Christians don't realize that this also meant that God was launching a spiritual war to reclaim not only the Jews who had rejected Jesus, but also Gentiles, people from the nations he had rejected at the Tower of Babel. God was in pursuit of his family, and it didn't matter where his children lived. He wanted them, and he would find them. The passage I read last week in Acts chapter 2 tells us that the Spirit came with wind and fire. Let me read it again, Acts chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Fire and burning smoke were common elements and visions of God's presence in the Old Testament. God at times came in a whirlwind. Jews had heard Peter's message and saw the coming of the Spirit with their own eyes and knew that the day of salvation had come. Think about what happened in this scene. 3,000 Jews living abroad in the nations where their ancestors were scattered had come to Jerusalem for a religious feast day. They witnessed the coming of the Spirit and heard about Jesus, the Messiah, and what He had done. They believed in Jesus, and they became Christ's followers. And what do you suppose happened next? Well, they went home. And why does that matter? Because now the lost, divorced nations had 3,000 evangelists planted in them. They were like secret agents, embedded in a hostile territory held by the other gods. They would be God's initial means to multiply the size of his human family. They were the first wave. And what was their mission? The same one Jesus gave to his disciples, the Great Commission. Christians know these verses well. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I had given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But again, something is missed. That's the Great Commission, all right. But I skip verse 18, the one that is usually skipped when people talk about missions to evangelize. Here's the full statement of Jesus, with verse 18 included. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Did you catch that? Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. The authority in heaven is pretty easy to understand. Jesus ascended to heaven and sat down on the right hand of God. But what does the authority on earth part mean? This is easily missed. His ascension, which naturally followed his resurrection, marked the end of the authority of those who held power on the earth up to this point. Now who was that? The fallen sons of God appointed over the nations when God divorced them, as we are told in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8. Essentially, Jesus was saying, the fallen sons of God had no business being here now. The implication is that the resurrection and Jesus' return to heaven meant that the authority of the rebel sons of God was now null and void. They no longer had a legitimate domain over the people in those nations. Salvation is not just for the Israelites or the Jews. Even though the Messiah was a descendant of Abraham and David, Jesus is the Messiah for everyone, the rightful Lord over every nation. The resurrection, ascension, and coming of the Holy Spirit marked the beginning of the end for the fallen sons of God. They had lost their legitimacy. This is why the New Testament associates the resurrection and ascension with the defeat of the supernatural powers of darkness. And this is explained in Colossians chapter 2, verses 12-15. through 15. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God, who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ, for He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them at the cross. Recall from last week, the supernatural rulers and authorities are terms Paul uses of the supernatural fallen sons of God who became the evil gods of the nations in the Old Testament times. The spiritual rulers and authorities is a favorite expression of the Apostle Peter to describe the defeated power of darkness. After he rose from the dead, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22 tells us, Now Christ had gone to heaven. He is seated in a place of honor next to God, and all angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Paul also wants us to understand what he meant when he wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. The world to come is described to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24. After that, the end will come, when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. Paul saw the resurrection and ascension as marking the beginning of the end for the fallen sons of God that had been allotted to the nations. It is no surprise then that he also linked that thought with the salvation of the Gentiles, the people of the forsaken nations. The resurrected Jesus and the Spirit 
would release the Gentiles from dark powers who enslaved and abused them. Recall that God had appeared to Abraham right after the dividing of the nations of Babel. He told Abraham that through him and his descendants, all of those nations would one day be blessed. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, knew that promise well. He wrote that Jesus had confirmed the promises given to Abraham and his descendants in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Paul wasn't done there. He was fond of quoting the Old Testament to show that God never gave up on the Gentiles' nations. He had wanted them in his family all along. Paul knew that the Messiah, called the root of Jesse in the Old Testament, Jesse was King David's father, and in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he wrote, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. Paul knew that the forsaken nations would one day worship the true God. This program, the Campaign for Spiritual Warfare, was launched when the Spirit came and 3,000 people believed in Jesus in Acts chapter 2. Those new believers went back to their home countries. The gospel of Jesus infiltrated the nations under the dominion of hostile supernatural powers. The Bible refers to this as the growth of the kingdom of God. As people turn from corrupt, evil gods that cannot offer them everlasting life and become members of God's family, God's kingdom grows. One kingdom diminishes, the other one expands. The kingdom of God, therefore, is already here in some sense, but not completely here in another. Not a moment goes by that God stops pursuing his children he loves and wants. His unseen hand is everywhere, in every circumstance, influencing and empowering his children to grow his human family. One day God's plan will reach its peak. Everything will come full circle. The end of the story will be one that its author had in mind all along. And that will conclude our lesson for this week from Dr. Heiser's book, What Does God Want? Next Worldview Wednesday, we will learn that God's plan is to be with his family forever. I believe that you'll find each Worldview Wednesday an interesting topic to consider as we build our biblical worldview. Tomorrow we will continue with a three-minute humor nugget that will provide you with a bit of cheer, which will help you to lighten up and live a rich and satisfying life. So encourage your friends and family to join us. And come along with us tomorrow for another day of Wisdom Trek, Creating a Legacy. If you'd like to listen to any of the past 1,155 treks or read the Wisdom Journals, they are all available at wisdom-trek.com. And I encourage you to subscribe to Wisdom Trek on your favorite podcast player so that each day's trek will be downloaded to you automatically. And thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly... I am your friend, as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal. And as we take this trek of life, together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and then leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, reminding you to keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and then create a great day every day. See you tomorrow.